Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today I'd like to talk with you about why Pentecost is one of the great Christian festivals. There are three great Christian festivals and you know the other two. The other two would be Christmas and Easter. But among these three great Christian festivals, Pentecost tends to be overshadowed. Every Christian knows the meaning and importance of Christmas. It's when the Son of God was born as a baby boy. Every Christian knows the meaning and importance of Easter. It's when the Son of God defeated death. And the importance of it is that because he lives, those who trust in him will live also. But folks are probably not as aware of the meaning and importance of Pentecost. So, what is the meaning and importance of Pentecost? You heard about the events of Pentecost in our second reading. There was a mighty rushing wind and something like tongues of flame appeared above the heads of the disciples. They were able to speak in such a way that people who didn't understand their language was nonetheless able to understand them and what they were talking about was the mighty works of God. And then the Apostle Peter stood up before the crowd of Jews, many of whom would have been hostile to Peter and to Christ. At least some of those who would have been in this crowd would have been involved with crucifying Jesus. Prior to Pentecost, the disciples had been so afraid of these Jews that they were hiding behind locked doors, and Peter denied that he knew the Lord three times. But after the coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter and the other disciples are no longer afraid. They speak plainly and courageously. And as you know, many of, this, of these disciples disciples are going to go on speaking, preaching that Jesus is the Christ and the Lord until they are eventually put to death for it. You can see therefore that the Holy Spirit changes the disciples. He gives them faith that Jesus Christ is their Lord. He gives them love and joy and peace and his other fruits. He gives them courage to say things that are good and right and true, even though the powers of darkness may gnash their teeth and start looking for revenge. So the meaning of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit is given to the disciples, that is, the Holy Spirit is given to the Christian church the importance of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit causes people to believe in Jesus as the Almighty King who saves sinners. He additionally gives Christians spiritual gifts. Without Pentecost and without the coming of the Holy Spirit, 
Spirit, Jesus' work of salvation would lie in the dust. It would not be known, it would not be believed in, it wouldn't do anyone any good. The Holy Spirit is what causes this work to spring forth into life and growth. The Holy Spirit causes life by applying what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit brings to completion Jesus' work of making people holy. Because of its great importance, Pentecost deserves its place as one of the three great Christian festivals. It is just as important for our salvation as Christmas or Easter. And yet, despite my best efforts this morning, I wouldn't be surprised if I have failed to create in you any great love for this festival. There's something about this festival that just doesn't capture the imagination like Christmas or Easter. Maybe it's the stories or the customs that surround those other ones. Maybe Pentecost just isn't grand enough, impressive enough. After all, the main thing that Pentecost seems to accomplish is talking. And talking can be awfully boring. So maybe if we were God, we would do things differently. What if instead of causing the disciples to speak about Jesus as the Christ, as the great King, the Holy Spirit would make lightning come out of our fingertips? or turn our eyes into lasers so that we could cut through steel and stone. That would make the world stand up and take notice. Or if we could just have some of those miracles that we read about in the Bible. What if we could heal people? What if we could raise the dead? Or if all of this is too much trouble, what if we could just speak in tongues like they did on Pentecost? That sounds like that would be a lot more interesting than listening to a sermon like the one that I'm speaking to you today. It seems as though these unusual things would make the church grow, too. People might come from far and wide if we could just drum up a little razzle-dazzle instead of all this talking. But all of this, I would do it differently if I were God, talk, sounds familiar. I'd like to compare it to something else that we find in the Bible. I'd like to compare it to the complaining that the Israelites did when they were in the wilderness. When God led them out of Egypt, they eventually ran out of the food that they had brought along with them, and they grew hungry. So each day, God gave them their daily bread with the manna that would come with the morning dew. And at first, they were happy enough with it. Eating manna was a lot better than starving to death. And it didn't taste too bad either. It was sweet and nutty. And each morning it came like clockwork. Eventually, though, they got sick of it. 
They actually say, we loathe this worthless bread. If only we could go back to Egypt. Sure, we were slaves in Egypt, and that wasn't any good, but at least we would get a cucumber or some garlic every once in a while instead of always having this miserable manna. Whenever I read about the Israelites in the wilderness, I'm always struck by how we are just like them. If anything, though, we Christians are worse than them. The manna that we have as Christians is much better and higher than the Israelites ever had. Our manna is Jesus. Pentecost gives us Jesus. Jesus speaks about how our bread as Christians is better than any manna that the Israelites ever ate. Jesus says to the Jews on one occasion, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. I am the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And Jesus then says, I am the living bread that comes down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now some of the Jews who were listening to Jesus grumbled at his teaching, and some of you might be inwardly grumbling too. What is this mumbo-jumbo. How can Jesus give his flesh uh, for the life of the world? And how does that even work? But it is not hard to understand what Jesus is claiming. You might not agree with what Jesus is claiming or see how it's possible, but the words are clear enough. Jesus is greater, better, more life-giving, than the manna. Whoever eats of him has eternal life. What Jesus is speaking about here is the gospel, the good news. This is what is extraordinary about Pentecost. These words about Jesus are what was spread abroad by the power of the Holy Spirit beginning at Pentecost. And the gospel is greater than any sign or any miracle that you might ever read about in the Bible. As Jesus says, he gives eternal life. And this gospel is among us. And let me briefly mention that the sacraments are also among us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're given baptism, and the scriptures tell us that baptism unites us with Christ. By this baptism, we are united with him in his death, and we're united with him in his resurrection. And it's a second birth by water and the Spirit so that we can see the kingdom of God. And again, you might grumble inwardly and say, what is this mumbo-jumbo? How can water do such great things? But that's your problem. You aren't believing his words. You aren't appreciating what he says. And on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he gave his disciples his body and his blood. And he says, this is my body which is given for you. 
This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. I didn't say those words. Jesus says them. And again, you might inwardly groan and say, oh, I hate this worthless bread. And church is so boring, and communion only makes it longer. Where's the razzle-dazzle? But such a reaction doesn't surprise me, because we are just like the Israelites. They too grumbled. They too failed to understand what God was doing. They too would have done things differently if they were God instead of the Lord. Despite their faithfulness, though, God was faithful. Their, their faithlessness, God was faithful. Jesus prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I think we could apply those words to ourselves. If we are at all lackluster about what is given to us at Pentecost, we know not what we do. If we think Pentecost and the works of the Holy Spirit in his church are just words, just a bunch of talking, sure there is talking, but what magnificent talking it is, if you will only believe it. For example, Jesus says in our Gospel reading, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow. Again, in the portion of the scripture that I was referencing earlier, Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I abide in him. Magnificent. The only way that anyone can fail to appreciate these words or regard them as worthless is through unbelief. Unfortunately, there is nothing that comes easier or more naturally to us than unbelief, just as it came so easily and naturally to the Israelites too. If I were God, I'd have given up a long time ago and moved on. But God is long-suffering, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And God doesn't change either. That means that he kept, down, kept sending down upon the Israelites day after day the manna that was just as sweet and nutty as it ever was, regardless of whether the Israelites loved it or loathed it. So it is also with the work of the Holy Spirit, the greatness of Pentecost. It is just as forgiving, cleansing, healing, sanctifying, and eternal life-giving as ever. It is not God or his promises that need to change. What needs to change is our faith in the stupendous things that God says and does through his Holy Spirit in his church with the gospel.
There will always be those who will say, we loathe this worthless food. Not everybody was converted even on Pentecost. As you heard, there were some who said, these disciples have had a little too much grape juice. So it is also among us. It's not hard to find people who have so many other things that they would rather be doing than listening to a talk about Pentecost. They're, they are so preoccupied with the cares and riches and concerns of life that the work of the Holy Spirit in his church is about the furthest thing from their minds. But may it not be so among you, even if heaven and earth were to pass away, Jesus' words will never pass away. They will always do what they promise. They will always bless those who believe in him. Please stand. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.